You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, Sixers Nation? It is Tuesday, which means it is time again for an episode of the Outside Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network where you can find, download, and listen to all of your favorite Vox Media podcasts. I am your host, Adil Royster, Chill Ride, Chill Vibes as always. I've been pretty chill over the last, you know, since the Sixers season ended, not counting this past weekend because it was absolutely dreadful and sweltering outside, but that's much like all of you. Um, It's now year-in-review status when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers, and a lot of things have been on the site as far as what the team should do, how should things proceed going forward, should Doc Rivers be the coach, should he not be the coach, how much of the blame for what happened this season goes on him, how much of it is Daryl Morey, how much of it is Josh Harris. There's so much content answering all those questions and more, but when it comes to year and review time, there are some assignments that were given by uh, our editors, our producers, and we're going to take it player by player, step by step, top to bottom, and we've been kind of figuring things out. Last night, the Gastroenteritis Blues had a very interesting podcast as far as like this offseason coming up and what the Sixers should do. If you haven't already, check it out. It's definitely, definitely worth a listen because I love that team so much with uh, Steve, Dan, Emily, all of, those guys, all of those people over there at the Gastroenteritis Blues still have way much more coming up on the site. My contribution to the year in review centers around a certain Turkish guard forward, I guess. And that is Furkan Korkmaz. When the Sixers drafted Korkmaz, everybody was really excited to have him here. The Darth Vader dunk still kind of resides in Sixers lore as one of those things where we would have just loved to have seen Furkan in a dunk contest, but, you know, that's beside the point. He grew into a nice little shooter off the bench on in the Brett Brown era, and that's when Brett was simply saying, hey, we're, we're trying to grow bombers out here, and that's kind of what Furkan was the last couple of seasons, not counting this season, I'll get into that in a second. But Korkmaz this year just wasn't what we came to, what we have come to expect from Korkmaz in previous seasons. And I'm kind of looking at things and I'm wondering why that is. The last two seasons, again, before last season, before this past season, the two seasons prior, 9.1 points per game and 9.8 points per game, respectively. Granted, he's not a starter or he's not getting buku minutes or anything like that. He only got like 20, 25 minutes a game his when those last two seasons. 
But at the same time, he was somebody that you could kind of rely on as that quote-unquote bomber that Brett Brown was talking about trying to produce and a vital, important bench piece for the Sixers going forward. Think about it this way. If the Sixers and Furkan Korkmaz, if he turned into like what Tyler Harrow has become for the Miami Heat, that would have been fantastic. Would have been great. Don't get me wrong. But also, don't misunderstand that Korkmaz has been a valuable bench member up until this season when a whole lot of circumstances came crashing down all at once. And it really affected Korkmaz. And I think it really did. Um, as the lone sole inhabitant of Korkmaz Island and still popping the Korkmaz whenever he's out on the floor, I, I, I feel like it's my duty to tr- try and not necessarily explain or make excuses, but just what was Furkan's year and where do we go from here with this, with Korkmaz? And I think, ideally, you would hope that he gets back to where he was. Like I said, the 9.1 points per game, followed by the 9.8 points per game. So we're talking about not 2021, 2022, obviously. We're talking about 1920, 2021. And then from three, he shot 40% from three in the 2020 season, 37.5% from three in the 2021 season. And both of those were above league average so he was somebody that you could count on to fill that bench role and just provide a little bit of shooting off the bench shooting is one of those things that the Sixers have lacked for as long as I've been covering the team for Liberty Ballers and he just felt so perfect and he felt so it was a luxury to have Korkmaz on the deal that we had him on and it's still a pretty team-friendly contract, and I'll get into that later. But being able to control a three and not necessarily D-wing like that, I, I feel like it was important to have and important to grow. Now, what happened this season? Hard to say, but there I, I feel like there were some factors. His minutes were still about the same, 21 minutes a game. But he only averaged about 7.5 points per game, shooting 20, not even 30% from three. So very below league average, which is not what I was expecting from Korkmaz, given his last two seasons prior. I was actually hoping he would build on that and expand on that and do even better for himself. But I I don't know what happened. I did find an interesting statistic on basketball reference, right? And that's the percentage of assisted threes. So the percentage of threes where it's basically just a catch and shoot or not even a dribble and just pulling up and just dropping it. Three years ago, that number was 972. Two years ago, it was 941. And then this past season, it was 0.870. And there's one big difference between the first two years that I referenced and this year. And that is the lack of Ben Simmons. Now, I am not saying that 
not having Ben Simmons was a detriment to Cork Maz. However, what I will say is that if you have a quote-unquote true point guard, or at least that's what the Sixers wanted Simmons to be, then I feel like the fact that the rotations were changed, the lineups were changed, everything about who was in the game, who was out of the game, it was all different because of not having Simmons to start the season. And the Sixers lacked a true point guard for the majority of the season up until the Harden trade. I love Tyrese Maxey. I've loved everything that Tyrese Maxey has brought to the Sixers. But he has said it himself that he is not a true point guard. He's not the playmaker type that I guess we wanted him to be or we needed him to be. He kind of stepped in for Simmons in that role. And we appreciated it because he was going hard. He was energetic. He was doing everything that he could to allow this team to win. And that's not a knock on Maxie at all. But what I'm saying is is that maybe his lack of being a true playmaker affected some of the other guys on the team, like Danny Green, like Tobias Harris, like Furkan Korkmaz. Not having that person that's just looking to pass and kick and drive and penetrate, I, I think that really kind of hurts Furkan's game because even when we've seen Korkmaz try to be that like backup quote-unquote playmaker when Simmons is either hurt or unavailable or just wasn't playing. That wasn't exactly Korkmaz's best role either. So when it comes down to it, if he's just a volume three-point bomber and he is pretty one-dimensional from that regard, like he can definitely get to the rack and to the cup whenever he wants to if he has the matchup. But with Korkmaz, you just kind of want him to s sit and stroll around the three-point arc and just reset himself and just jack up threes. And it's nice when he does it, and it's even nicer when it falls in. We've talked about this particular angle so many times on the podcast and on Liberty Ballers, and that's just Doc's rotations. And that has been a problem since he got here. The all-bench rotations and not putting the best guys on the floor at the right times. The Tobias and all-bench minutes last year. And just not spacing Embiid and Maxi the right ways. It just got incredibly frustrating. And a lot of guys suffered. I think Korkmaz was one of them. After the 30 minutes a game he averaged in January, those numbers went down from 30 to 19.2, 11.8, and then 10.9. People, when you are a shooter like Korkmaz, it's all about like a groove thing. And I can see that even when he was getting 30 minutes a game, he wasn't averaging, you know, 33, 35% from three, which is fine, but... What's the old adage? What's that old phrase? Shoot or shoot their way out of it. And honestly, sometimes I feel like Doc was really, really quick to pull that hook on him. And I don't know how fair that was. Especially when you consider that when he made those changes to either Shake Milton, George Niang, who definitely got a lot more run, which is, again, Niang in the regular season 
fantastic. Loved George Niang in the regular season. Kind of dropped off in the playoffs. So that's when I was thinking to myself, okay, well, what what other options do we have if we're not getting anything from Niang? Could you put Korkmaz in there? Maybe. Lineups might be a little bit weird, but if it's Korkmaz out there with Embiid and Harris and Danny Green, Maxi, or whoever else is on the floor with that rotation, defensively, it's about a wash between Niang and Korkmaz. But offensively, if Korkmaz is a little hotter, then that maybe swings a game or two. And I think Doc was just really hesitant to do such a thing. And I, I think it kind of hurt. It, it hurt the Sixers as a team because they didn't have that bench production that they really needed in the Toronto series. And especially the Miami series where Miami could just go from Jimmy Butler to Tyler Harrow, P.J. Tucker, anybody on Miami's bench. I would have taken anybody on Miami's bench as a substitute for... Most of the guys that Doc was bringing off the bench, and that includes Shake Milton, that includes, well, maybe not Paul Reed, because Paul Reed is a different position, so we'll just toss that to the side. I, I get it. Korkmaz is streaky. He has been streaky pretty much since he got here. But I don't know why Danny Green was able to get the opportunity to shoot himself out of these funks and Korkmaz's leash was just so short he'd have one or two bad games and then it'd just be like okay well this isn't working let me just go to Shake Milton or I, I well not even or Isaiah Joe because Isaiah Joe wasn't getting much of any run either I don't know what Doc's thought process was there if the old adage is shoot or shoot their way out of it and Doc is such a prisoner of the old school ways, as evidenced by a lot of his rotations and choices as when it pertains to DeAndre Jordan over Paul Reed. Like, why not give Korkmaz that kind of benefit of the doubt? I don't know why. And it just speaks to my opinion, and it's the opinion of many, that maybe Doc shouldn't be the coach next season. We thought about it, we talked about it, Daryl said he's going to be back next year, but, you know, thing, things change. Daryl could change his mind right before training camp. I mean, we'd all appreciate it if he didn't do something like that, but, I mean, what are you going to do with Daryl? I think that Korkmaz is still an important piece to have for this team for a couple of reasons, and I'll expand on that a little bit further in the second part of this podcast, but... Real quick, going to take a quick break, satisfy some of the admin, and uh, I'm going to recollect my thoughts here on Korkmaz Island. I'm going to pour myself a nice drink and a coconut. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be nice. Very refreshing. Deal Royster, Out of Sight Podcast, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, year in review, Furcon Korkmaz. Where do we go from here? Back in a second. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So I brought up Furcon Korkmaz. It's the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. I am Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes. Running this uh, Furcon Korkmaz year in review solo mission style because I feel like, like I said at the top of the podcast, because I'm the sole inhabitant, owner, operator of Korkmaz Island, I feel it's my duty to do so. And I don't know if anybody could appreciate our man Ferk more than I can. In the first half of the podcast, I explained, you know, what Ferk had done up until the season, 2019 season, to. 2020 season, 2021 season, they were all really good. They were both really good, and there was nothing to lead us to believe that he would have such a far drop-off. But that's what happened this season, and the rotations and the Sixers suffered as a result. Should Korkmaz be gone? I don't think so. Like I said, the Sixers, if anything, they need they need depth. And the one thing that Korkmaz provides you is cheap depth. His contract next season, $5 million next season, it's not terrible. It's not breaking, you're not breaking the bank for Korkmaz. It's not like he's really hindering you from making any significant moves. It's not like the Tobias Harris contract or the James Harden contract. He's not. It's more beneficial to have him on the team given what this team needs, and that's offensive depth. I love Matisse Thibel. I love him more, well, just about as much as anybody could love Matisse Thibel after that playoff run. But I think at this point, I think it's fair to say that Matisse is one-dimensional, and if he's going to be an offensive liability, we've gone through that. We've had that with Ben Simmons as an offensive liability and somebody that when he's in the game, the Sixers are basically playing four on five. And that just makes it very difficult for Embiid and Harris and Harden if he's back and with the team next season. At least with Korkmaz, no, he's not the defender that Thibel is. But if Korkmaz returns to the Korkmaz of old and he's scoring effectively and he's doing his thing from three, doesn't that kind of offset what you missed defensively? Like, for example, if some teams are shooting the lights out against the Sixers and Korkmaz and Shake Milton or whoever else is on the floor, if they're also bombing as well, that's kind of a wash. And then you say, okay, can Joel Embiid do the rest of it and get me to the, get me to the win column? 
And I think that's important to think about if you're talking about, okay, who needs to go this season? This offseason, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I think Korkmaz is worth keeping around for the fact that he is that easy contract. He's, he's, he's easy to keep on the roster. And teams are already calling about Matisse Thibel anyway. So if Thibel is the one that teams have a lot of interest in, because again, he was second team all NBA defense this year, I think that's an interesting piece that you can dangle around because of the simple fact that you already have somebody in Korkmaz and to a lesser extent Niang who are more one-dimensional in the dimensions that you kind of need more than defense right now. I think the Sixers need more depth that can shoot and put the ball in the basket as opposed to more guys that can stop the other team from doing that. I, I think the Sixers... As a team defensively, I think they can overcome a lot of that. Korkmaz's contract is also movable for the right piece, or if it's a filler, to satisfy trade negotiation. And I'll be honest with you folks, I'm looking around the league and I'm looking at teams in the standings and teams that are maybe looking to move people. I'm not completely convinced that Washington is set on entertaining calls for Bradley Beal. I'm not positive that Portland is still out here saying, yeah, we're, we're still trying to trade Dame Lillard. I'm not, I mean, the, the Jazz might want to move off of Donovan Mitchell, but at the same time, A, I don't know if Donovan Mitchell is really going to take the Sixers to where they need to go, and B, if the Jazz pick Gobert over Mitchell knowing the contract that they gave Rudy Gobert, because remember, Rudy Gobert is a max contract. They can't sell it to the fan base that our one max guy is Rudy Gobert. They can't sell that to the franchise. So it would have to be a total teardown. I don't know if the Jazz are ready to do that yet. I get it. The Western Conference is still tough. It's only going to get tougher as Luka comes into his own and is even better and better after this year's Western Conference Finals. But I'm looking around the league and I'm like, who's who's moving all-stars? Who's moving top 10 guys in the league this offseason? I can't really think of any. So what you're telling me is that the Sixers may have to run it back with the team that they have. Which I'm not against. You know, Harden comes in, has a nice solid training camp. He's, I mean, he's, he's fit. <laughs> he's fully healed from the hamstring. Not sure how much of a big deal that was for him in the playoffs but I mean we just have to see and when it comes to the bench depth sure running it back with the same guys aren't exactly what we want but I still think Korkmaz has that opportunity for a bounce back year especially if Harden returns to be at least more of a playmaker than he was this season because of lack of time with the offense or injuries, hindrances, anything like that. I still think Furkan is a better option than Matisse Thibel or Shake Milton or Isaiah Joe coming off the bench just because Cork has more experience and if Doc is on the sideline, then yeah, sorry. I don't know if Isaiah Joe is getting any run. And between Matisse and Shake, it's... I would honestly prefer Korkmaz in there. And 
Korkmaz and Shake, and sparingly, or when the matchup ne- is necessary for it, then you throw Matisse in defensively. I just don't think it's time to give up on Korkmaz yet. And I know a lot of people probably have, and I respect your opinions for doing so. But I am the type of person that zigs when everybody else zags. It's part of my charm, folks. I don't know what to tell you. Bring Ferk back. Let him shoot his way out of this thing and hope that he has a bounce back year. I have faith in him. People that love Korkmaz will probably still have faith in him too. And hopefully he repays us with that faith with an outstanding 2022-2023 season. We'll just have to see what happens. Lots more years in review coming for other players. Uh, just keep it locked to Liberty Ballers and the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am Adil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. I will be back next week with an Out of Sight Podcast. And uh, yeah, until then, keep it locked. Trust the process. Go Sixers. And uh, yeah, again, I say it all the time and I hate saying it, but it's going to be another fun off season, folks. So buckle up and enjoy it. I'll talk to everybody soon. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.